0: Welcome to the Self-Improvement Book Club with Rachel. Today's book is Lighter by Young Pueblo. And this book is all about how do we let go of the past? Often our narrative or what we say to ourselves can hold us back in life. Just think about it. If you've ever had a hard experience, what have you told yourself about that experience? Did you blame people? Did you beat yourself up? How did you talk to yourself about those experiences? And do you keep focusing on them and thinking about them? Well, this book was wonderful. I very much highly recommend it because I thought it had some great content on how to not only be in the moment and look forward But how to love yourself, be more compassionate, and let go of those past things, whatever it is that's holding you back. And how to think about getting over your biggest obstacle in life, which is in fact you. You are the biggest obstacle. How you think about things, how you process it, your mindset. Think about it. What? dreams are you chasing and how close are you to achieving them? Are you getting in your own way? Are you held back by past trauma or addictions? Or are you keeping yourself stuck in your own anger, rage, or depression? There is a path forward and sometimes we have to go inward and do the work on our minds To release emotions, let go of the past and realize what is truly controlling you so you can release it. And this has been so helpful to read and think about in my own journey of letting go of things that have happened in the past, forgiving myself for things in the past, forgiving others all this stuff helps to release you and heal you on your journey so that you can be truly the best version of yourself so the fact is we we all make mistakes right some some are bigger than others some are really big but wouldn't it be great if we all could grow and learn from these mistakes and have a deeper understanding of why you react to certain things that you react to well the author says the first thing you should focus on is to love yourself i know i know it's cliche right self-love yada 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 (laughs) we should all love ourselves but really self-love is where it all starts and it may sound like okay how the heck do I climb this big mountain of self-love? How do I get there? We don't want to go to the other extreme where we're so infatuated with ourselves, we can't see anyone else's point of view, or it becomes self-obsession. That's not self-love. That's something very different. So to make a distinction between maybe things like self-care and self-love is Self-care is maybe giving ourselves a spa day once in a while, or going for that manicure, pedicure, or treating ourselves to our favorite dessert. These are actions of self-care, but not necessarily self-love, because self-love is not materialistic. It's not about giving yourself these little treats you deserve. It's about really acting like you care about yourself. What does that look like? That looks like compassion for yourself and even treating yourself with curiosity. So getting curious about why you react the way you do, why emotions come up, using them as little clues to figure out what's truly going on underneath the surface at a deeper level. And then being really honest with yourself about it. Self-love is also making choices that are good for you in the long run. This could be things like building healthy habits. And making decisions that don't feel good right there in the moment, but might feel good in the long run. So that could be saying no to alcohol at night so you can get up for your morning exercise routine, or choosing relationships that are good for you with people that are honest and treat you right. And above all, accepting yourself as you are. Weaknesses in everything because we all have weaknesses. We all have places we struggle. So not endlessly beating yourself up for that, but seeing where If there is room for improvement, how can you encourage yourself in a compassionate way? This goes for your big mistakes. Also, being compassionate to yourself may sound like, okay, I made a huge mistake. I did something I'm extremely ashamed of. I feel guilty. But I am still worthy of love and I'm still worthy of healing. And I'm going to do the hard work to make amends if I need to, to understand why I did what I did. And then look at, did you violate your values? If so, how can you go back to those important values you hold and start to act like the person you want to be? So you're not skirting off responsibility. You're taking responsibility for anything you've done. But what you're not doing is just wallowing in self-blame or blaming others too harshly or blaming yourself. And of course, the self-love journey takes time. But healthy habits is a long game. If you think about building a really sturdy house, right? If you think of the three little pigs and their three different houses, the pig that built the most sturdy house laid brick by brick. So you may have to start at the beginning, lay the foundation of this self-love and keep building on it. You're not going to have the perfect house right away. It takes time and it takes brick by brick making changes in your life and really looking honestly at how you think, your thought patterns, your mindset And starting to challenge those. And when you start to love yourself, be more compassionate with yourself, you'll see your relationships with other people change. Because you're more compassionate with others. You're not judging people all the time. One big sign that you could up your self-love is if you notice... You're really judgmental of others because it's a reflection of how you think about yourself. So if you're always complaining about people or judging people, this is a sign that you need to look inward and start to maybe talk to yourself more compassionately, judge yourself less. So those two things can go hand in hand. So the author says, love yourself first and then heal. So healing... The author believes happens from the inside. Of course, most of us had has had some sort of traumatic past event. And your upbringing probably wasn't perfect, you might have not had the parents you wanted. And this can get us into another cycle of blame. Well, if my parents hadn't done this to me, I wouldn't be like this. But really, truly, whatever someone has done to you, you cannot control, but you can start to go inwards and heal. Because during your youth, you were not conscious enough to realize what people were teaching you, how things were given to you, and your surroundings growing up taught you how your brain reacts. But now if you're an adult, you could recognize that and slowly start to change it to move forward. So there is a lot of hope in this book of healing and ways to move forward. It could be that a parent shamed you when you're younger for crying too much or being too emotional and now you get triggered anytime you get emotional and another partner or friendship tells you to calm down. This may overwhelm you and you make get angry and lash out at them. Well, this is a trigger from childhood that once you recognize those patterns, you can begin to do work with your own inner child and how to reparent yourself and be the parent that you didn't have. You can do this for yourself. Of course, it definitely helps to get a good therapist to help you through this process, but it is possible. So the author lays out the first step, which is self-realization, self-exploration to know what your reactions are from and that they're not caused by your friend or someone else, but they're caused by the way your brain is programmed. And the most important thing you can do is allow yourself to feel whatever emotion comes out without being controlled by it or reacting to it. So being able to ride those emotional waves when they spike is the best practice, taking the pause, taking the breath, giving yourself space to have that emotion without being reactive or controlled by it. Because when we automatically react from an emotion, we are controlled by that emotion versus us Acknowledging the emotion, feeling it, and being able to take space from it. Then guess what? You're in control, not the emotion. And to not think of emotions as good or bad, but they're just things that come up. Because we're human and we have emotions. So it's also, when we're talking about not judging others, not judging yourself as harshly, we're also trying not to judge whatever emotion comes up. And what we want to look for is the patterns. What is triggering your emotions? And can you see the patterns? Going back to the parent that didn't treat you so nice when you cried, what would you have liked to have instead from them? Is there something that was lost in your childhood that you need? Maybe you were looking for comfort or a hug when you were sad. And how can we learn to ask for that from the people we love? or communicate that in a healthy way that gets you what you need or how can you start to give it to yourself some great questions the author poses is to ask yourself what is at the root of your emotional reaction what do you want to have that you can't what are you craving that is out of your reach usually this is the key to what you really want or need. And if you approach those emotions with curiosity, instead of judgment, you'll find those great clues to give you those answers. And then you can focus on getting that and going in the direction you want. Another major point the author makes is you have to let it go. Letting it go is easier said than done. But what are you hanging on to that needs to be released? What is your brain going back to in the past that you're reliving over and over again? And just going back into those negative emotions of sadness, fear, maybe frustration, loneliness, possibly despair. Every time you relive the past like that and get worked up, it's only dragging you down more. And can you notice what thought patterns go with that? Maybe you're daydreaming about doing things over because you made a really bad decision and you wish things were different. But I know we know this. There's nothing we can do to change the past. So when you notice you're in these thought patterns, how can you redirect? Is the reason you're living these things over again is because you're, Afraid they'll happen again and you're trying to protect yourself? Or is there some fear attached to being able to let the past go? To be clear, when you let go of the past, it's not the same thing as stuffing all your emotions down and not feeling them. You're allowed to process the past and recognize what has happened so that you can grow from it. But once that has happened and you continue to go back to the past, it's not helping. So recognize what is causing the feeling. Take that pause, take that breath, and start to let yourself slowly let it go. Maybe imagine it coming off you in little pieces and realize what the clues are about what it means that you truly want if you don't want that experience again, what is the experience that you do want and can you start to focus on how to get there? And please remember that your first emotion or what you want to impulsively do does not define who you are. It may be a part of you, but it's not all of you. So even when we make bad decisions, that's not all of us, that's just a part of us. So. Taking that bad decision and saying, this is who I am, is not healthy. You can say, this was a part of me that acted out, and I don't want to do that thing again. But not defining it as your whole self is healthier. Let's give an example. Let's say someone triggers you because they remind you of your father who was very harsh on you, and you react to them. Maybe you yell at them and scream and huff off. After you do that, what's next? Well, you could recognize that they weren't exactly the cause of your reaction, but possibly they reminded you of someone from the past. So you do take responsibility. You pause, you breathe, you think about, hey, why did I react that way? And then when you remember how you felt, maybe being a child and de- denied compassion, you let yourself cry. Maybe you let yourself feel compassion for that little kid that didn't get that. Maybe you imagine giving that little kid a hug. And then when you ride that wave of emotion and you come down and you calm down, you go to that person that you yelled at, and you apologize, and you say, you know what, I'm going to try to behave different in the future. I'm sorry. So that's where you take responsibility and accountability. And then, you know, look for those patterns of, hey, I'm reacting in this way, and I would like to change that cycle. And maybe you have kids of your own, and you don't want to be like your parents, So when your kid cries, you hug them, you give them what you didn't have. And that just shows you how different you can be and how you can break cycles that trauma is passed down from family to family. And we don't want to continue to do those things that our parents did to us that we recognize as unhealthy. And as you grow, you may find yourself letting go of old ideas or Maybe the same goals don't fit you anymore. You may shed some of your identity and start to have new things to identify with. This can be scary because when we change, our relationships change. And sometimes they change for the good. But sometimes people don't love the new version of ourselves, the growth version. And that can be really hard. So acknowledge this can be a reason that people stay the same. And I don't want that for you. I want you to be able to grow and change. So the author really talks about striving for progress, because perfection will never be achieved. So it's always about progress. And sometimes you take a downslope and then go up and it's never linear. So it's important for you to look at signs that, hey, I'm doing things right. So here are seven signs the author gives that you are going for that progress. Number one is you no longer react to things that have triggered you in the past because you're able to pause, give yourself space, reflect, and act and react differently. Number two, you look at others with compassion, and you offer yourself love and forgiveness. You recognize the work that others are doing, and you give them the same love that you're starting to give yourself. Number three, you don't feel the need to avoid uncomfortable feelings. Instead of numbing pain or running from it, maybe going on our phone or distracting ourselves, you ride those waves of uncomfortable emotions in order to get to your goals. Number four, you're able to make choices that benefit you in the long run, rather than acting on what feels good in the moment. Number five, this one's hard, drawing clear boundaries and keeping yourself safe and confident when you need to say no number six you're able to disagree with other people constructively and turn it into a a learning experience rather than a big old fight or argument and finally number seven you can now hear the voice of your own intuition And find that guiding you in a positive direction instead of maybe listening to other voices like society, your friends and family, other people that may influence you. So you're really listening to yourself. And another big point the author says is, of course, we have to love ourselves first, but love your partner second. The author says you can only love another person to the depth that you love yourself. So that's why we start to love ourselves first. And then we can really open our heart to our partnership, our marriage, our relationships. And pursuing that growth with another person. Letting them grow. Giving people the space to grow. Relationships shouldn't be about telling others what to do, but they should really feel free and loving if they're at their healthiest. So the most important thing is to let your partner have space and do what they need to do for their own growth and goals. So it's not about molding your partner into something that you want or need, because that is not the point of a really good relationship but connecting and working together in love and support. To be supportive of your partner and your partner to be supportive of you takes an understanding that no one else can make you happy, only yourself. It's an inside job, everyone, to make yourself happy. Your partner can't fix your emotional problems and you cannot fix theirs. Support means offering comfort, being a good listener, simply giving space during hard times. And if you can do that and thrive and truly love yourself, you can have a beautiful, healthy relationship. So what does healing look like? Well, it is measuring growth and having challenging times, but going through them with compassion for yourself, not getting so caught up in the moments, but knowing there's a longer, bigger goal that you're trying to get to. Staying present, continuing whatever you wanna work on that's meaningful to you, that you measure as success, not anyone else. And taking those big picture looks at yourself to see where you started and where you wanna go. Progress should be slow and that's okay. Because you're going to always hit challenges. And sometimes it's the same challenge over and over again. And one thing I say is the, the challenge will keep showing up till you learn the lesson. So if you see the same things coming into your life again and again, then maybe you have not learned from it as well as you can. So just remember, each time you strive for growth, you're trying to create the best version of yourself while not going for perfection. And this will only pave the way for a better future for yourself and for others. And finally, compassion starts with how we treat ourselves. So please love yourself and that will heal you. It will improve your relationship and ultimately it will improve the world. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And we would love a review if you can go and review. Thanks, and we'll see you next week. Have a good one.